Unfortunately, we are starting off the Sing Second Sports podcast by acknowledging that the ultimate game of our sporting season, the Army-Navy game, on Saturday uh, ended up with an Army victory 15-0 to at Mikey Stadium, uh, a historical and historical game uh, played at Mikey for the first time since 1943. The West Point offense kind of ground us down. Uh, they got a four-yard uh, touchdown run early in the fourth quarter, a very suspect uh, goal line stand in the third quarter. Um, and the end result was uh, Army beating their our tribal Navy 15 to nothing in a fog shrouded Mikey Stadium on Saturday. So let's start it off primarily from the guy who was there in person. Wags, what was your uh, feeling um, on the game itself? And what's, you know, let's let's lead Let's lead with the big takeaway here. What's the biggest thing that we should be talking about with this loss? Well, I think the most disappointing thing is that Navy did not, in my opinion, put a representative effort on the field. There was an incredible defensive performance. Brian Newberry, the defensive coordinator, had that side of that unit ready. And the offense, uh, once again, for the third straight game, was a no-show. They're just didn't do their part. And, and it's just hard to believe it for all of us who have been watching the triple option since 2002 and seeing how many times the deep offense carried the defense. And now you have a solid defense and you can't even balance it with a even remotely cogent offense is just, it's hard to believe it's, it's painful to watch. It was it was sad to see um, the last three weeks. It, the offense has gotten progressively worse, and you know Saturday was rock bottom. They couldn't move the ball, couldn't pick up a first down. Four first downs in a in a football game. It's four. Almost doesn't <laughs> seem possible. They had um, more penalties, six, than they had first downs. Four. Correct. Correct. And it just you know it leaves you scratching your head. And we could probably sit here for an hour trying to dissect what's wrong with the offense, but. You know, subpower quarterback play, subpar blocking across the board. It's not just the offensive line. It's everyone else involved with blocking and subpar coaching. Sorry, I have to call it as you see it. When the offense looks like this in game 10 of a season, the coaching has to be called into question. They did not ever improve the offense. So pretty disappointing to watch. It was a great atmosphere up there, John. Uh, it was a lot better than I imagined. It was pretty cool to be at an Army-Navy game at Mikey Stadium. And everything about the Army-Navy game was as it usually is other than civilian fans in the stands in an NFL venue. But but the, what we saw on the field was, was sad. It, it was. Um, one for 11 on third downs, 0 for 2 on fourth downs. Uh, mentioned the very anemic passing attack for only nine yards, only rushing for about 108. So, Ward, from your perspective, uh, is it rock bottom, as as Wag says? Does it require a uh, you know a very defined change moving forward, or, we, or do we just apply for hopefully the last time I mention this the dreaded asterisk to this season and say you know COVID? 
Well, I mean, it is hopefully rock bottom in terms of performance. Now, the the elements of that uh, are anywhere from massive change to asterisks on the season, right? Uh, and, and and so, um, let me just land somewhere in the middle. So, for me, this game was the poster child for how certainly the the latter three quarters of the season have gone. You know, we had a glimmer of hope second half against Tulane. And we were like, okay, this is what we're talking about. This is how Nehemiah turns things around. When, when things are ugly, he makes quick and decisive corrections. The era of Dalen Morris has begun. And then we, with the exception, the very notable exception of the temple game, we're in the same hole that we were performed in during the army game. So for me, it comes down to, you know, two or three plays. Um, the inability to scoop that fumble and and return it for a fumble six or even get possession of the fumble. Um, the pitch that was fumbled subsequent to that, the inability to punch it in after a, a Malcolm Perry-esque run by Xavier Arline, where he actually did that slalom skier plant that Malcolm does so well. So more optimistic, more, more favorable in their criticism might say that that's the breaks of the game in terms of they could have just as easily picked up that fumble as they had kicking it out of bounds. Well, okay, but that's where discipline comes in and that's where coaching comes in. Um, so I think in the near term, it's about execution, discipline, do your job, so forth and so on, right? Um, and then it mostly falls on the sh shoulders of Xavier, anticipating that he's he's got the the first writer of refusal on the quarterback job, unless he pulls a uh, Perry Olson. His name, Perry Olson. His name came up on Twitter as we were live tweeting um, the the game, and and uh, you know so. We've got some work to do. I'm not going to say the sky is falling. We've got a clean house on the coaching staff. I'm not, that, that would be getting ahead of ourselves. And I, you know, we know and love Kenny Niamatololo. He, he will turn two here. And let's also hope, because as we speak, the vaccine is being distributed and people are getting well and, so let's say by April, May, 100 million of us have been vaccinated and we can walk the planet with impunity again. And so we can have spring football. They don't call a semester and everybody goes home for the duration. And we can have summer conditioning and real practice, like helmet to helmet, good on good, as Wax calls it. We can have that going into the first game. And then we have the brigade and season ticket holders and, and suite owners in the stands. Uh, just like season before last. So that that should result in us looking back at the season and going, that was the bottom. And we get back to, you know, eight and four, nine and three kind of performance and a bowl game. Exactly. And, and yeah, that's the standard of excellence, uh, you know, with which we've been accustomed. Yeah, before I kick it over to Chris for his uh, for his input, I, I do think that 
it, it's going to cause the administration to take pause, to to sit there and look at the finances, to look at the season, to look at it in the aggregate. What what was it that led us here? What was it the non good on good practicing at the beginning? Was it just COVID writ large? Um, you know, was it the fifty five to three loss at the beginning, or or two pretty brutal losses to Houston and SMU back to back right in the middle? Chris, what is your take? If you would have told me after uh, after the first quarter that we'd be zero to zero, I'd have said, okay, I'll take it. If you'd have told me after the first half that we'd be down three to zero, I would take it. Um, I, I felt like we were in the game um, really up until the middle of the fourth quarter. Uh, and I felt like, I mean, the, the game plan was a pretty, it, it played out exactly the way I thought it would. I mean, it was a defensive struggle. I thought where Army did a much better job was um, when we were option to option um, or, you know, anemic option to anemic option, it, it was very, um, it was very equal. When Army ran, uh, you know, quarterback counters, when plays were broken and uh, Tyler did more with his feet, when he went off schedule and threw the ball to, uh, you know, for that long first down, I mean, that they were better there. And really, like you said, for save for that long run by our line, um, you, you know, we just were not able to do uh, anything. And, and so where I think there was a you know, a failure. And, and I think if you look all year, I think where the failure was, was in the, in the play calling. And, and I, I wonder if they made the playbook too simple for the quarterbacks because they didn't have a clear quarterback because they didn't have a guy that could, that they could ride like they did with Malcolm last year. Um, I think they dialed it back and made it too simple. And so they took out things. They And we, you know, ended up running, as we've talked about before, just straight dives or just straight quarterback keepers. I think they're going to have to go into, they're going to have to look at this game tape, look at the last two game tapes and decide who they want to be. Do they really truly want to run the triple option? Uh, and if they do, they need to get somebody that can run it and make sure that they uh, call it uh, to that uh, quarterback strengths. I'm not panicking. Um, again, we'll talk about throughout the pod. I mean, there are hard decisions to be, uh, to be considered, but I, I, I have a lot of faith in, uh, in Ken and I have a lot of faith in the coaching staff. And I heard a lot of good things from our line in the post game presser that make me think that he gets the work that needs to be done. Uh, before we end this intro segment, a couple of plugs, uh, number one, we're going to do our, uh, end of year. Uh, pod later on this week. So join us for that. Um, as the seasons go on, uh, remember, you know, support your Naval Academy Alumni Association and support uh, the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Uh, you can do fan cutouts now for alumni hall games. Uh, this same stuff that you're seeing in baseball stadiums and other uh, pro stadiums. Uh, you can get one cutout for 40 bucks uh, 13 cutouts, an entire row, uh, for $325. So if you want to see yourself virtually, um, in alumni hall, watching a very good Navy basketball team play, uh, you can do that. More information on that is available at, uh, navysports.com. Also on navysports.com, you will see, uh, that the women's basketball team will be playing twice this week, tomorrow. Uh, and then once on Friday, looking to get Toolman Tim Taylor his first win. 
finally, as we go out, and I'll give WAGS the first comment on this, announced yesterday, um, WAGS' former um, co-worker at the Annapolis Cap, Wendy Winters, was posthumously awarded the Carnegie Medal for Heroism uh, during the newsroom shooting that took place June 28, 2018. The Carnegie Hero Medal is the highest honor for civilian heroism in the U.S. and Canada. Wags, as we go out, your thoughts on what I think is a very overdue honor for a very good journalist. Absolutely, deserves. If you go and read what the award is for, it's for heroism in trying to save lives. So that's exactly what she did. Uh, her uh, ability to distract the assailant uh, for a brief moment enabled other uh, journalists in the newsroom to hide under their desks. And, you know, he hopefully uh, that they did, he, he did not find them. Um, and hopefully she did save lives, but she, uh, they teach you, I, I, she had, it's really strange. Wendy Winters had gone to a seminar or training, if you will, on how to deal with an active shooter. Um, and that's one of those, they basically said either, you know, fight, hide, or or run. You know, retreat. And uh, retreat was not an option at that newsroom because he had blocked the back door. There was one, only one other exit available. But and it, the, he had barricaded the back door. The uh, several journalists tried to go out the back door to get out, and they found it barricaded. Couldn't budge it. And so uh, hide was what several did. But she was the one that chose to charge, and. Uh, fight and uh, got to give her credit for bravery. Uh, no one knew it was probably going to cost her her life. It brings it home. This whole thing just doesn't go away. More and more closure is absolutely necessary for, uh, for the good men and women of the uh, Capital Gazette. So we are going to go to break when we come back. So great to be joined by Joe Miller, the, uh, the other voice of Naval Academy Sports. Uh, does color with Pete Medhurst for the football uh, games. He's going to tell us what he observed on Saturday. And then we will take this out. We're going to go to break. This is Sing Second Sports. Stick with us. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. Now back to the pod. We are back from our breakdown of the game. Uh, in order to break it down more, you know, who better to talk to than Joe Miller, uh, one of the voices of Naval Academy football, the color commentator for the Naval Academy football team, made his first road trip of the year up to West Point. So my very first question, Joe, what was your recap of the mayhem that took place up there? Honestly, um, I, I thought it all worked out pretty well. I, I mean, I think coming into it, you know, it was you knew you had to get there really, really early. So you kind of had the idea that you're going to have to waste some time <laughs> once you got there. Uh, but for for there was plenty of people there kind of telling you where you had to go and where you had to be at. Um, and I actually thought the atmosphere was pretty good. Obviously, it didn't match, you know, 70,000 people at Lincoln Financial Field. But uh, I thought you got a pretty good sense of what the rivalry was about, even in a, in a muted environment. And I thought it was a pretty good atmosphere. 
So for me, you evaluate the season either as an asterisk, like, hey, everything's kind of a, a push because we've never seen this thing before, or you can be very, very cynical and say, you know what, why didn't this coaching staff have this team ready? Why don't we have a punter? Why don't we have a quarterback? Why don't we perform well? And the bookends of the season are very telling in that there's an ass kicking to BYU at the beginning, and there's a really painful loss to Army at the end. As an objective sports fan, do heads roll here? Do you sit back and say, let's evaluate? What, what are your next steps? Honestly, and I, and I think I've been consistent from the day from day one about this college football season is I don't know if I would say it's complete asterisk. You, you do have to look at situations and say if it really went really bad, then then you do have to address some things. But for the most part, I, I do tend to think that with everything that was going on this year, you really have to look hard in. And, and evaluate inside of that and have the conversation about what went wrong, why did it go wrong, and did this season and the way things were handled as far as, you know, it was just a, a completely different season. I mean, from almost every aspect outside of they played football games on Saturday. Everything that led up to the BYU game, I understand where people can fall on both sides of that. And I, I would also say that the, the month off um, – wasn't necessarily a month off from the perspective of there were still a lot of guys that missed practice and, and uh, a lot of things that weren't going on while that was, was happening. So I, I understand where you can look at both angles, but I tend to think that this was a year that was going to be, I, I, I would never say a throwaway year by any stretch of the imagination, but I would say that this is a year where you had extenuating circumstances impacting almost every aspect of what was going on. And unless you're truly inside on a day-to-day basis, it would be hard for anybody on the outside to have a good understanding of what everybody had to go through. So that might be a somewhat of a political answer, but I really think that it's almost impossible from a perspective of um, being on the outside, trying to figure out what happened on the inside. And it, it's tough to put into terms about, uh, about success and, and failures when everything was different <laughs> outside of they played a football game and it was 60 minutes long. Of course. Yeah. Well, so for that inside perspective, I'll hand it over to Wax. Well, first of all, I'm curious about technical elements of the broadcast Saturday. I was on the fourth floor of the Mikey Stadium press box and I had serious difficulty distinguishing exactly what was happening down on the field. I am pretty sure that the radio broadcast booth was on the fifth floor. Yes. above me, which means it could not have been any better. And I, I, so I asked how you and Pete handled that. And then secondly, how important was it to have Keith Mills on the field in that instance? It kind of got better a little bit in the third quarter, but for the second quarter, um, for the vast majority, you couldn't really see a, a ton outside of uh, figures moving down on the field. I, I tweeted some photos, but that didn't really do it justice. And I think Pete had binoculars. Uh, we had a live feed from the TV truck. Um, usually it's a delayed feed, but we actually had a live feed. So um, if they were throwing the ball 45 times, it might've been a little bit more difficult to, to follow the game. But the fact that these were two running teams, it helped a little bit from that perspective. 
But there's no doubt in the second quarter, it was really hard to see. I mean, the coaches next to us uh, left to go down to the field and weren't, didn't return for the second half. So obviously they were having an issue seeing what was going on. So from that perspective, it was pretty hard to see um, what was going on from, from our vantage view because the second quarter was pretty much, you know, in the clouds. <laughs> uh, third quarter, start of the second half, it actually was pretty good for the first five or 10 minutes of game time of the, uh, of the second half. And then it got pretty bad in the fourth quarter as well, but uh, it was something I'll never forget. It was certainly a unique broadcast. You know, army Navy games are always, you know, few possessions and, you know, they, they both teams run the ball. So I've never seen so many major momentum swings, all of which went negative for Navy. Xavier Arline fails to score on a long run. Then the Navy fails to punch it in on four attempts from the two-yard line. Then Navy has a chance for a scoop and score and doesn't get it. Navy tries a reverse, and not only does it not work, it results in safety. Can you just talk about these momentum swings? Because if, if Navy scores on Xavier Arline's long run or subsequently off the four tries from two yards out, they're winning 7-3. If Jamal Glenn scoop and scores off that Army fumble, it's 7-3. Instead, Army maintained possession, and it just went downhill from there. Yeah, I mean, those were the crucial points of the ball game, And, you know, for the uh, – I think for – you know, you go back to the, the, you know, the opportunities they had, and it seemed like everything that w- was there for their opportunity just went – went against them that day. And some, sometimes it's, it, it's like that, but I think, you know, on the, on the scoop and score, I thought the army player, and I think it was Robinson 31, got his hand in there and knocked it away. Um, now I didn't go like through the Zapruder film on it. And it, that was my initial sort of inclination when I looked at it a couple of times that he got his hand in there and that, that prevented Glenn from going the distance. But I mean, look, that's not an easy play. We see that every weekend in college football and pro football that guys, you know, we saw with Diego Fago a couple of weeks ago at home against Memphis, he tried to scoop and score and then he didn't get initially just fell on it. Uh, so I thought, I thought army got a hand on that, but look, as coach said, after the game, you're at the two yard line, you got four shots from the two yard line. You got to, you got to punch it in. And I, I thought, look, look, army did a great job on the first down and the second down play. You know, that, that pitch play to the fullback has worked an awful lot for them in that situation. And I thought Army did a great job of getting to the outside and preventing it and getting guys out there. I mean, um, that was a that was the, like the perfect defensive play call for that situation. They read it correctly and, 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 and made a great play. The third down play is the one that I think <laughs> you can debate whether we, we thought he got over the line of scrimmage. The one thing that I would say about that is – it looked like to me the ball should have been marked closer. Now, does that matter on the fourth down play? I don't know. But it, it, it definitely, if it wasn't a touchdown, um, which we could sit here and debate, uh, I t- at the moment I thought he, he did cross the plane. But it, at worst, the ball should have been at like a, two inches away from the goal line. And they moved it back to the one-yard line, which kind of surprised me a little bit. But Army on fourth down made another great stop. And, and really, it looked like to me uh, – on the play, Xavier kind of tried to pull the ball back out of Nelson's belly and try to, to make a play on his own. But by that time, 
I mean, Army in the middle on that first and fourth down play, I mean, I don't know how you could have performed better than what Army did on those plays. They completely stifled both of those plays. It was the third down play that if you'd like to have one back, uh, you know, I think it, it, that's the play that they you, they would like to have back because I think that was the play that was closest to working for them. That was that was the play that was going to score. Uh, Ward Carroll, please go ahead. Yeah, no, good job, Joe. I do appreciate a good Zapruder reference. In fact, on my new YouTube channel, I used a Zapruder reference the other day. Have you ever been to Dealey Plaza? Have you ever been there? Yeah, actually, the um, not the last time we were at it. Two times ago, I went down there. I'm a I, I, I'm a big history guy. I graduated with a degree in history, and uh, that that's uh, that was my life for a while. So yeah, I. I one of the cool things about some, you know, we've been to uh, the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis and was able to go to Daly Plaza in, in, in Dallas when we went to SMU a couple of years ago. So uh, I, I can take advantage of some of the road trips to check out some of these places. Back to the your overall thesis of, of the season. And, and you said it may be political. And, and I, I don't I, I don't think that's true. I think that's your characterization. Characterization is accurate. Um and to also talk about Army came down to three plays, right? It was the bad scoop, the uh, inability to punch it in, and the safety, you know, and so uh, against one good play. Oh, no, 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 not the inability to get it in. Um, the pitch that hit him dead in the chest and he fumbled it. Like he had no idea that in an option play, he might be tossed the football, you know, which to me, that's inexcusable, right? I mean, that's as basic as it gets. What do we have to do? And let's assume that we're all vaccinated and we're going to be able to have spring football, summer conditioning, summer practice, and we'll have the brigade and, and fans in the stands next season. So, do you have hope in our line? Is you just need to get some cycles and reps, muscle movement? You know, obviously he's not going to play lacrosse this spring, um, you know, because the coach has got his hooks into him. He's like, no, I don't want you to be a, a midi. I want you to be a quarterback who can run the triple option. So what do you think? I mean, uh, the, the, the obvious most important issue to fix is to try to get back this offense to, you know, it, it, when I look at the numbers, it, it kind of blows me away. Uh, I mean, the, I would have never imagined that we'd be looking at a season where they only, they only averaged 177 yards rushing a game. I mean, that's, that's almost 200 yards down from what they were last season, um, which is, um, you know, a, a, a tremendous drop off. I mean, we haven't seen a year like this ever in the, you know, under Paul Johnson or under Ken Niamatololo. Um, you know, they failed to rush for over 300 yards in one game this season. That's the first time since 1994. I mean, you're talking about a long, long time ago. So I, I think everything's on the table when you talk about trying to figure out what, and, and I think the coaching staff is probably right there trying to figure out what is going on with this offense. I don't necessarily subscribe to the notion that people have figured it out or anything like that. I, the good blocking beats defenses and execution and all that. You can run pretty much anything. And if you run it the right way, I think you're going to have success doing it. So I, I don't really buy any of that stuff about 
you know, people figuring things out. I, I just feel like that's just not a thing. I've been talking about it all season, but they had to get some sort of production out of the quarterback position. You knew coming in, you weren't going to replicate what Malcolm Perry did last year, but you're going to have to get more production than what they got out of it this year. I mean, they were going into the last couple of games of the season with barely over 150 yards rushing from the quarterback position. And they've had almost, you know, a thousand each year from that position and many times over 1500 yards from that position. If it's Xavier, obviously they're going to have, you know, he's going to get the first shot at it uh, over the, you know, spring, uh, assuming he doesn't play lacrosse and, and gets the, the, the reps there. And they're going to have a lot of figuring out to do. I mean, I don't know if it's like, it, it's easy to say, Hey, they just got to block better. And and stuff like that, but it, I really think they will look at almost everything and figure out um, where has the perimeter game gone? How do we get back there? Um, you know, you mentioned the you know the C.J. Williams fumble, and you know they just haven't ran that those many plays this year. Where a true triple option pitch to the outside, it just and look, I I'm the first to tell you over the last couple of years. This isn't the first year that's happened that they've, you know, you know, sort of scaled some of that back. I mean, that's been a part of uh, over the last three or four years. Um, So it's just not this year. And, I, you know, with the quarterback issues, um, I I think that's the first thing you have to figure out. You know, what are we doing? What are we going to do best? And how do we going forward optimize our talent? And uh, it's easy to say we just got blocked better and and we got to figure out. Uh, but I, I really think it's it's it was it was such a different year and not not from the COVID perspective, just from the way they played the games and they played out. I mean, from the perspective of the success they had in some games, throwing the football with Dalen and then you look at it and then you uh, um, and then you say, well, here's a way you can play a different way you play. But then um, you look at the success that you would have after those games and it never seemed to sync up. Um, and so, uh, I, I think the, the questions are plenty. <laughs> the answers are not going to be easy, but I, I, I feel like with Xavier, you do have something to build on. It, it'd be a lot different if you didn't have that quarterback to sort of, to, if you were going into the off season right now with big questions at quarterback, I think the problems would be even more. I do think they think they have something there with Xavier. So you start there and try to uh, work from that. Hey, Joe. uh, Sure. Kenny Amatololo fixed this once before. In 2018, Navy struggled, had a disappointing season, and Ken did what was necessary to get things turned around. And last year was a tremendous season. Do you see him doing it again? I think that's the intention. I, I think this is what they're striving for. And Look, I, I think they can draw on that experience and say, look, this is what we have to do to accomplish what we did last season. And the other part of this is, and once again, not uh, look, the excuses are not going to be, you know, not everybody's going to make wants to hear these excuses, but we have to be honest and say, this was not a normal season. This was not normal by any stretch of the imagination. They weren't working with these guys in March, April, getting ready for a summer campaign. It just did not happen the way they expected to do it. And I, 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 you have to factor that in. So 
that that's a big part of it. So you have to be able to do all those things that that can make this team better. And then you get to suit up for another season. You see how they adapted to those things and had those as an outlet to try to make this team better. And you have to give them and they deserve that opportunity. And I think that's the the biggest part of this. So yes, I believe in this coaching staff and I believe that they can, they can turn this thing around. Thank you to Joe for being available, particularly after the, uh, I mean, what was the road trip like? When did, when did you leave from West Point and when did you get back to where you are? Uh, we left, um, me and Pete met at 5.30 uh, Saturday morning and uh, oh. I got uh, back in a little bit past midnight, like 12.15, so with a couple stops along the way. Everyone loves the Palisades Parkway that <laughs> night. Um, <laughs> so, and the traffic and, um, wasn't bad. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, when, during COVID, yeah, sure, it's great. <laughs> Shit. Um, well, hey, uh, Joe Miller, thank you so much um, for making yourself available all season for what you do for Naval Academy Athletics, uh, for what you're doing for us. And we wish you the very happiest of holidays. And we'll see you on the flip side in January when we're talking about uh, uh, Tim Tooltime Taylor's uh, women's team and Ed Chellis's men's team. But here's to a much better football season next year. All right, guys. Thanks. I appreciate it. This is Sing Second Sports. We'll be right back. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please shoot us a DM at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available. So great conversation with Joe Miller about let's be real here. And and I think as we go out, I think we owe each other and we owe maybe athletics the you know the plain speak of calling spades spades. And and I'll tell you what, the BYU game and the Army game and almost everything in between was unwatchable. For Army, Ward, what is your uh uh, what is your feeling going forward? I mean, are 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 we going to turn this around next year? Or are we looking at like losing three or four straight? Uh, I would never um, count out a coach Niamat coached team. I mean, we've seen like the analogy of of twenty eighteen into twenty nineteen. So you know they're already at work trying to fix the things that Joe was listing infinitum when, when I asked him that same question. So I, I think we'll be back. Um, and we certainly uh, won't suffer similarly next year in terms of the atmospherics, hopefully. I mean, you know, uh, the vaccine is on the way and, and back, back, quote unquote, back, back to normal. So the other thing I'll, I'll say, because it's been a, Long, strange trip since BYU through Army, um, and and we've you know had a had a bird's eye seat, catbird seat, and uh, you know we we have the luxury of of watching these games at, at close range, and and this year particularly if you're a fan of Navy football, you 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 didn't get to see it like we did, and so we 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 um are mindful of that. The other thing I will say is is because the end game now is is we're being very critical, which is being very real. But there were, I mean, you know, we're 
unbiased, but at the same time, we're, we're inclined to be fans of Navy, right? That's, that's it. Particularly us uh, who are not sports writers like Wags. And you remember that Wags tweeted after the Tulane game that the era of Dalen Morris is upon us, right? So we weren't, you know, Debbie Downer for the duration of this season. Um, however, at the end game, the product on the field was substandard. And we saw it with the last two home games. And it's exactly how it played out in Army Navy. So you asked me, how do I feel? As a graduate of the Naval Academy, I feel terrible about losing the Army. Um, but as a career military officer, I'm happy the rivalry is alive. I respect West Point. I've embedded with the 101st Airborne in combat. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of the U.S. Army. So it's a vibrant rivalry. It's not like Navy, Notre Dame um, or Army and, you know, Power Five teams. This is a real rivalry. It is America's game, and we saw it on Saturday. So we lost. Let's not lose again. You and me both. So Wags, as the uh, objective journalist here, do heads need to roll? I mean, we're talking about a an environment where people were calling for Doug Peterson's head at the Philadelphia Eagles last week, and they just won the Super Bowl two years ago. So it is an immediate gratification environment out there. And if you have to look at the coaching staff, Yes. Have they become complacent? Have, are they overpaid? Are they any of the excuses that people will make for them? I'm, I'm very sure that we can dispel, but is a coaching, is a coaching change necessary or is continuity necessary? I don't know what's necessary because I'm not an insider, but I know what's practical and I know that Coach Kendi Amatololo has a significant buyout. And I do not think in this current atmosphere that... Is Navy, it $21 million, like Gus Moss? <laughs> no, it, it's not quite $21 million, But uh, the effect and the reaction is would be the same amid a pandemic where people are losing their jobs and athletics departments are cutting significantly that of every athletic department in college sports is in crisis financially. So this is not a good time to be offering buyouts to coaches to pay them millions of dollars not to coach. I think Chuck Gladchuk and Kenya Matolo will have some serious discussions as they did following the very disappointing 2018 season, and they will map out a roadmap, a strategy for how to get Navy football back on track. And I do agree with Joe Miller. This was not a normal season. There were a lot of extenuating factors and we can go very deep into the philosophy, but I'll just say that I don't know that Ken Niamatololo believed that college football should have been played this season from the very beginning. And I think, you know, part of the way this season played out it stems from that, underlying belief. So I, I'm ready to give Coach Mulligan. He's been 
the greatest coach in Naval Academy football history. He's the winningest coach of all time. You know, Paul Johnson set the table and Ken Niamatololo has continued to serve it up. So I, I give him every opportunity to get this turned around. If we get to the point where Navy suffered three losing seasons out of four, then we may need to have this discussion again at this time next year. Chris, for you, going forward, you know, is there the possibility that there is complacency at the Naval Academy? Um, there is complacency in this coaching staff. There is complacency across the athletic department that, hey, we're in a good spot. We are okay as long as we beat you know, Army two times out of four, you know, it, it, everything will be good. What What is your take on this? Because I think you have to make decisions as a business person and as an athletic director. And sometimes that line blurs, right? I have to say, I mean, there, you know, you and I agree on about 99% of, of things. Um, I, I I just don't agree at all. I, I don't even agree with like any of the assertion. I mean, Ken Niamantololo should absolutely. But do you be agree back. that that it's on the table for more cynical fans? Like, do you agree that some cynical fans out there are like, well, the only way to shake this shit up is to get rid of people? I don't agree with that. But do you, I mean, what would you, you shake at least up? Acknowledge I, that? Yeah. Like, what what would you shake? Like, I don't understand. Um, I don't know what you would shake up. I don't know what would be achieved by getting rid of him and by. Um, by uh, bringing somebody else in when they got rid yeah, of what do, you, what do you lose in the trade space in terms right. of morale for the well, team? Hold, hold, yeah. let, let me, let me finish answering your, your question. Uh, w- when they got rid of Charlie Weatherby, it was because there had been years of um, just malaise um, and um, you know, it was time to go a different direction and they wanted uh, they, they wanted a completely different direction. I, I don't even think we're close to that. I mean, we could have won that game on Saturday. I mean, we, we really could have won the game. I mean, it was, it was not an enjoyable game to watch, but we could have won the game. It played out like most army Navy games play out. I mean, there were a couple bounces here, a couple bounces there. And, uh, you you know, then we would have been having a completely different, uh, you know, discussion. Do they need to hope like hope, uh, you know, hope like hell that they can get into the weight room and practice like they normally do during the winter and spring. Yes. Do they need to hope like hell that they can have a regular spring ball and that IJ gets a little bit more of his uh, mojo back from a play calling standpoint? Yes. Do they need to hope that uh, Xavier Arline grows into the role that he was asked to play? Yes. Do they need to fire Ken Niamatololo or any of the coaches on that staff? No, they don't. I think that's a great take. And, and again, I, I think that, there are a lot of people out there who are considering every single option on each side of the pendulum. So if, if Navy had gone seven and three, I wouldn't want to make any decisions, you know, based on this year, any more than I want to make decisions based on the year of them going three and seven or three and eight, whatever they ended up. I mean, I've, I've already sort of like you know, deleted it from my memory bank. There are a lot of lessons that we've identified throughout the year. I've known Ken Niamatololo for 25 years. I feel really good that if anybody can take these lessons and put them into practice and make changes, it, it, it's him. Now, if he has a shitty year next year, do you, you know? Do you have a longer conversation? Sure, but you know, I would much rather this coaching staff be able to digest the year than you know bring in any any other coaching staff. 
let's hope that everyone comes back next year when we turn it around. Wags, I'll give you kind of a final word. Just hope that the process of getting this program back to what we're all accustomed to seeing, winning football, uh, offense that turns out the yards and points. I hope that process has begin, begun. I'm sure it has. Uh, I think having a spring football practice has never been more important for Navy. And uh, this is going to be the, one of the most important springs that has ever confronted this program during the triple option era because that is where it starts. And uh, I just, uh, I'm going to have to hope and pray that the reasons for this terrible season were no spring practice last spring and no, not a real, not a normal preseason August training camp. I'm just going to have to hope that, that that's the reasons because if there's other underlying reasons, then Navy football could be headed for more losing in 2021. No one wants that. So speaking of uh, sunnier seasons ahead, Ward, what are you looking for in the offseason? Yes, we'll have joy, <laughs> we'll have fun, we'll have seasons in the sun, as you just said. I look forward to brighter days ahead after this dreary dark ages that we're about to enter into. You know, so, you know, gorgeous day on the golf course yesterday. It was 70 degrees and everybody oh, was, was, wonderful. was saying goodbye as if we were going off, you know, to like, like we thought the rest of the Eskimos were going to put us in our canoes and send us out to sea, you know. Um, it was really a weird vibe. So it's got to get better. It's got to get better. In Niamatololo, we trust men of Ken. I look forward to next season and uh, world domination. Chris, I'll leave you with the last word. We go out after what I'd call a successful year of this podcast, and we'll do an end of year pod. But for you, Chris, like, how do you evaluate this? How do you evaluate the morale at the Naval Academy, the possibility of sports going forward? Give me your overall feeling. We lost to Army three of the four years that I was at the Naval Academy. Um, the Monday after the Army loss sucked. Uh, we used to take our exams after that. You'd come back and it was horrible. It was horrible as a plebe, horrible as a youngster, it was horrible as a firstie. So um, I'm sure the morale is in the shitter. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of fans that are hanging their heads and um, you know, given the the fact that they didn't get to have class reunions and they didn't get to have the joys of fall as Ward has talked about many, many times. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, sunk shoulders, a lot of sunk heads, uh, winter break and the dark ages kind of cure all, uh, shit, dude, we're or Baltimore Oriole fans. <laughs> I mean, we're used to this. So, I mean, we're, we'll be back. We'll be excited in March. Uh, so I'm not, I, I'm not that broken up about this. We'll, we'll be. Well, uh, you remind me, Chris, that the Washington football team is leading the NFC East. So oh, I got that. God. See more, more depressing, more depressing news. Thanks. Ward. Yeah, it's going to be terrible. Way to go. I got, Ward. I've got that going for me. Forward Carroll and Bill Wagner, who, by the way, had to drive all the way up to uh, West Point and then back and Chris Cervello, who has been doing great work uh, on top of trying to move himself to Florida here in the next two weeks. I am John Schofield. We will see you on Thursday for the end of year pod. We're, we're, we're going to bring you a good end of year pod. And, um, and thank you for sticking with us. This is Sing Second Sports. We are out. 
the thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments. Thank you.